Boba Fett's full name is Roberta Fettuccini. <laughs> All right. Uh, we are here in... Does it come with a side of Alfredo? Oh, my gosh. Um, extra sauce. We're here in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, it's, it's just Michael, no Sam this time. And I am visiting my friend Matthew Lewis. Hello, world, Hello, and all Matthew. who inhabit it. This is Matthew's first time on the podcast, but he is actually a Jackson Film Club, uh, one of the original founding members. It's, uh, it's been, you left Jackson back in June. End of June. End of June. And you've been living in Atlanta since. Uh, I've come and visited you a couple times. Yes. This time I came and watched a bunch of movies, and we caught a movie together last night. We saw The Tragedy of Macbeth. Yes, it was splendid. Absolutely wonderful. Absolutely resplendent. So, Matthew. Michael. Why don't you tell all the listeners a little bit about yourself? My name is Matthew, as you all know by now. I grew up in Jackson and have known Michael, we did the math, coming up on seven years this February. So, good friends. Yeah, we met in college. We met in college. Michael Michael asked me in, I think it, no, it wouldn't have been February because that's we were doing showings by then. I don't remember when Michael asked me if I wanted to start a film club. Probably December 2019 or January 2020. Or wait, no. It was probably December 2020. Yes. Or January 2021. It was one of those. And I was like, yeah, I'm interested. And then he first asked me, and then we didn't do anything with it for a little bit. And I think he was scheming more in his head than I was. And then he asked me again, and... We got lunch together somewhere at Elvie's. I know there have been several Elvie's mentions, so shout out to Elvie's. We got lunch and talked about it and then started germinating from there. And then did a couple events. And my wife and I kind of, not not impromptu, impromptu moved, but very quick notice moved to Atlanta at the end of June. So my last film club event was the screening of Blade Runner at the Malco Grandview. Is that where we were? No, we did that one at uh, the Cinemark. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yes. Um, Tinseltown as the OG. <laughs> Jacksonians know it. I think G- Google still calls it Tinseltown. I think so too. So that was my last screening and it was great. And then that was the middle of June and then we moved to Atlanta at the end of the month. I've been here since. Seen a bunch of good movies here. What was your first movie when you got to Atlanta? My first movie when I got to Atlanta was either Black Widow. I think it was Black Widow. Uh, I did, my wife and I did go to a screening of a new film, like a test screening at a theater, kind of at the, at the Plaza Theater. Um, we did go to that pretty soon after we moved, but I think Black Widow was the first movie that I saw here. And then the most recent movie I've seen here has been The Tragedy of Macbeth. Yeah. Sweet. Um, do you have a favorite theater in Atlanta so far? I have a least favorite theater. That is the Regal 
Nope, excuse me. Yes, Regal in Atlantic Station. The chairs were horribly uncomfortable. But I have three different theaters that I kind of rotate between. There is an AMC. This particular location is in Madison Yards. I go there for the comfy seats. And after we moved, I became an AMC member to get the mm, service fees, the Fandango service fees. So those are nice. I'll catch some matinees at the at the AMC Madison Yards. There's the Plaza Theater, which I go to occasionally. They have a bunch of special films and limited release stuff, and then they have some uh, just you know normal mainline movies. And then there's a theater that I could walk to from my apartment called Landmark Midtown. And that one's fun. I like that one a lot just because I can walk to it. So I kind of bounce between those three. Well, you can walk to the plaza too if you wanted to. Yes, you can. Michael did that last night in sub-freezing weather. Um, I, I had a beanie on, so it was fine. <laughs> the sort of originating idea for me coming to Atlanta was actually because I was super jealous of uh, an experience that you got to have at the plaza recently. Yes. Which was uh, a special... Uh, showing of the uh, 70 millimeter version of 2001 Space Odyssey. I'm clasping my hands together right now because of how special it was. Um, I'd never seen that film before, and I always wanted to see it. I just never had the good opportunity to. And then I saw they announced that they were doing screenings of it, and I was like, yeah, I might do that. And then eventually I was like, no, I need to, I need to see it. There's no better way to see it. So then I watched I watched that most recently this past Sunday, which was six days ago. And it was a wonderful experience. And I'm very happy to have seen it that way. I think this that one also made your top 20 list, which we can get dive into in just a minute. Yes, but it did. I also want to uh, – I, I forgot to introduce the – third member of this podcast. The third elephant in the room. <laughs> We've got a little Lucy. That is my sweet dog, Lucy. Uh, she is currently <laughs> trying to play with Matthew. It's cute. Lucy, try to be quiet, okay? Thank you. So you might sweet hear girl. some little, little, little pitter-patters. Well, Matthew uh, recently updated his top 20 list, and he told me not to look at it until we sat down to record this episode. That's correct. Michael, at the very beginning of Film Club, um, I think he had already asked me to be a, to start it and be a part of it, but it was still in the very, very early stages. He asked me to write a top 20 list of films, and I did that, and... Then Film Club happened, and I saw a lot of great films, and I learned more about what I like in movies and what I value in films. And then I decided I needed to re-update it. Yep. I think that's absolutely a great thing to do. It's, <laughs> it's good that your, your tastes change. You, you can't stay the same person all the time. Oh, that's right. Uh, well, when can I pull up this list? Um. Kind of just want to read it to you, but you you can pull up now if you if you desire if you must. Uh, well, I want to be able to look at okay. it. Okay, but I am going to go from number twenty to yeah. number one. Perfect. All right. What's your number twenty? Number twenty. Two thousand four's National Treasure. Wow. <laughs> Are you a big Nick Cage fan? No, no. 
I just remember seeing that in the theater as a child and having so much fun and then seeing it again and then on DVD. That was just such a fun thing to be able to watch and pretend I was a part of. I think this isn't the first list that National Treasure has appeared on. I know it's in Mary's. Yeah. I think it's in... I haven't listened to her updated episode, but I think it's in her list. I'm pretty sure it stayed in there. Yeah. All right. Number 19. Number 19 is The Incredibles because, you know, it's very fun. <laughs> the, the, bottom, the bottom half of this list is a lot of movies that I have nostalgic connections to and that are, they give me joy. Yeah. <laughs> Number 19, The Incredibles. What do you think about that? What are your feelings on The Incredibles, Michael? It's a great movie. Uh, I remember being surprised by the soundtrack. Yeah, 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 yeah. I loved that. Yeah. And then the, the, I hadn't seen, still haven't really seen many Mission Impossible movies, but I remember seeing a trailer from uh, whatever contemporary Mission Impossible film was going on around that time. And I was like, Dad, this sounds like the Incredibles music. And he goes, yep. <laughs> it was very fun. I like superheroes. I like Pixar. Amen. Yeah, so the your 19 through 17 are, are actually all Pixar movies. That's true. Um, number 18, I need to... I've got my letterbox as dimmed. And I need to not dim so I can see it. Number 18 is Finding Nemo. And I have that on my list for one specific moment, and it's a core memory of my life. I watched this movie in theaters with my family, and little Matthew, 2003 Matthew, watched it with his family, and Dory tried to speak whale, and that curled me over in laughter and I was crying in the movie theater and yeah. watching the movie through tears because of how funny I thought it was. What, did, what was your parents' reaction? I think they laughed. Yeah. I don't know, but I was losing it. They probably enjoyed just watching you laugh. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> so that's always been a top film for me just because of that moment. I don't really, really remember how I feel about the rest of the film. I've seen it since then, but I haven't seen it in a long time. It's a great story. But... Dory speaking whale will forever be a part of me. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you, Ellen DeGeneres, I guess. Oof, I forgot that that was her. <laughs> uh, Number oh 17. Monsters, Inc. Um, I watched that with my family, and my dad loves Pixar a lot because he likes a lot of the animation. And I remember my dad laughing so so hard at all the writing and everything i think i watched i don't know if i watched monsters at work that reminded me of it or something but i was recently reminded of monsters it was monsters at work because they have the same theme as monsters inc it's edited a little bit it's a little, kind of a different version but it's a similar theme hmm. and my wife and I were just sitting on the couch and singing along with it and because uh, we had for both forgotten how great the music in that one was. So I'm excited to rewatch Monsters, Inc. eventually. Yeah, I haven't seen that one in a long time. Yeah. Tell me about number 16. Number 16 
is a 2007 documentary by Gary Hustwit, directed by Gary Hustwit. It's called Helvetica. I saw this, I believe it was on a Sunday afternoon, and it was on Netflix for, for a while. And I was, I don't know, mid-high school, and the documentary is about the font, Helvetica. I watched it, and it was just extremely, I don't know, I'm kind of nerdy about, like, designy things-ish a little bit, and for some reason I lumped bookstores into that in my head for no reason, but... I remember watching that and it just made me so excited because of how interesting I, I found it to be. Full time. You you work in design. Yes, and, I'm an architect. Well, I, I work in an architecture firm. Yes. And that was, I watched this film. I don't know that I had actually decided that I would go, go to architecture school, but it was, I could tell that I was working my way to that decision. Hmm. So this film actually kind of helped me make that decision i think interesting i haven't seen it and i've only seen it that one time but i just remember loving it and being glued to the television yeah so i'm not normally one for documentaries but yeah i i remember i watched this this documentary as well and, and i loved it and i think it's just because it's it's such an interesting thing to make a documentary about yeah like, who who thinks to make something full length just diving into the history of a typeface. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. And I would love to watch it again. I don't know where I can watch it again. So that's Helvetica. Number 15 is the 2019 film by Ryan Johnson. The Last Jet, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Knives Out with good old Daniel Craig. Um, I remember watching that in the theater and just enjoying every moment of it, lapping it up with a spoon. It was just so fun. Great story. I loved Ana de Armas. I love Daniel Craig in it. I love everybody in it, I think, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, that's one that's an all-star cast. I think that was actually my first Tony Collette film. You watched that before Hereditary? Yes. Wow. Yeah. That's good. Uh, oh, that's right. You still haven't seen The Sixth Sense. That's right. The, there's a, a joke. It's like, if Tony Collette plays your mom, uh, if Tony <laughs> Collette's your mom, you're in danger. I'm in danger. <laughs> let me see. Let me let me see if I've seen any other films. It might just be Knives Out and Hereditary. That's right. What do you think about Knives Out, Michael? Uh, I love Knives Out. What do you think? What do you think about the hole in the donut in the donuts hole? The donuts hole. What are you asking? <laughs> the the whole the whole monologue that um that uh what's his what's his name? What's Daniel Craig? Daniel ben, Benoit Blanc. His whole monologue about what we have here is a hole in the donut, but it was not a hole at all, but another donut or something like that. Was is that the same part where? He talks about what were the overheard words of the Nazi child? <laughs> uh, maybe. <laughs> I don't remember. Uh, well, I mean, Knives Out is on my top 20 list as well. Nice. Overlap. Uh, and, and so is your next one. My next one? Yes. <laughs> so my next one, number... Uh, 14. What number? Sorry. We're at 14. We're at 14. My next one, number 14, is the 
the 2016 film Manchester by the Sea. Uh, I knew nothing about this film. I didn't know it existed. And then my friend, uh, or a friend of Michael and I, David Lewis, great Jacksonian, texted me one day and was like, hey, you want to go see a movie tonight? And I said, sure. And he brought a couple other fellas. Uh, And we watched it, and we left the theater in quiet. (laughs) Someone asked, what'd you think? And then we all were like, um... That was the first film I remember seeing and being feeling all the emotions that they wanted me to feel. Mm. And I have only seen it that one time and haven't seen it since because I've not worked up the courage to see it again. But that one affected me greatly. And that's why it's number 16. Yeah, that one's also on my top 20. 14, not 16. Uh, What number is it on yours? It's a little bit higher. It's uh, number 10 for me. And uh, I actually watched it recently. <laughs> it was it was a day where it's like just wasn't wasn't feeling too great about myself and oh, life. No. And I was, I was like, I, I want to just be real sad. <laughs> and so I watched Manchester by the Sea and, and had a little sob session. That's one of yours. That's one of the... That'll do it to you. Yeah. Sometimes I use cinema as therapy. I also have a therapist. Thank God for therapy. Oh, good. Good. So, <laughs> but movies are a little bit easier <laughs> to, to get More fun, to. I guess. A lot more fun. Uh, I don't have to leave my house. Yep. Nice. Number 14, Manchester by the Sea. Number 13. Number 13, my last top 20 film list was not really in order, but this one, several of these were on there at that time. Mm-hmm. But this one... I have reconsidered and kept on there, but moved it down. It is the 2010 film by Christopher Nolan, Inception. I like, love Inception. Like every every good film film boy, of which I don't claim to be. Um, that was the I remember watching that in the theaters with a friend, like early high school, right right before high school. I think it came out. I think it came out when I might have been a freshman. I, that was the first film that I remember seeing that was that was a thinker mm. and at that point in my life I was beginning to appreciate those types of things so I just remember watching that the whole time and just you know strapping in and going for the ride and loving every second of it and I still haven't I'm, I'm not that great at rewatching films I haven't seen this one in a long time so I'm curious to see how it holds up 12 years later. Well, I think it holds up pretty well. That's good. The, I know we were talking earlier, this is off the podcast, but the we were, we were talking about the first movie that we saw in theaters after the uh, theaters had been closed for the pandemic. Um, and my first movie back was also my first movie at the new IMAX screen at Malco Grandview in Madison. And it was the first movie that they had ever shown on that screen. So wow. there's a lot of, of firsts right there. Yeah, yeah. It was the 10th anniversary edition. And it's a great movie. Was, was there, did they do anything different for the 10th anniversary edition? No, I mean, it was no. an IMAX. So. No. 
Um. <laughs> <laughs> they just put 10 candles on the birthday cake and said, go! Yeah, yeah. They, they sold more tickets for it. So. Yeah, that's all right. It was right before Tenet was in the theaters. So mm-hmm. it was nice to have Nolan be the person who <laughs> welcomed me back. Me in, too. In both ways. Me too. Wish we will get to that. And a few more films. Do you want to say anything more about Inception? What's your number 12? My number 12 is Mad Max Fury Road. I've only seen this film once, I believe. And I'm kind of surprised that I ranked it as high as I did. Because, again, I only saw it that one time. But I just remember, like, being so... (laughs) I was so surprised at how much I enjoyed it and how good it was. And... That's one of the movies that I think about, like good action movies that I just randomly think about. That's 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 the one. That's one of them. You recently watched that, right? I watched it for the first time. Oh, uh, and was kind of blown away. Like it is, I, I've heard so many good things about uh-huh. it. People have always kind of been surprised that it's one of those movies <laughs> that I hadn't watched yet. Uh, but now I've seen it and. Yeah, it's George Miller is the director. Yes, yeah. um, I remember one. It's crazy. That's the same guy that did Babe. <laughs> what? Babe the pig movie? The pig movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Lucy, do you want do you want the bone? Dog break. There you go. Oh, good girl. George Miller's Mad Max Fury Road. I remember. I don't I don't know why I saw it when I did, but someone was writing a little feature about it. Cause I didn't see it in theaters. I saw it in a actually David Lewis's house. But I remember there being a like behind the scenes thing or whatever, and apparently mm-hmm. George Miller was very stern with the camera operators and telling everything they, they put crosshairs on the either like in the display or on the camera or something. And he's, he was very stern about getting everything directly in the center of the frame, which helps because there's a lot that goes on. The There are some crazy shots in that film. Yeah. I need to rewatch for sure. Next movie is also pretty epic. And, yes. And grand in scale. <laughs> uh, next movie, number 11, is I think this is my favorite Christopher Nolan movie. Now it is Dunkirk, hmm. and I I separate Batman's with the regular Christopher Nolan's, but yeah, the, the Dark Knight trilogy is kind of its own beast. Yeah, yeah, hundred um, percent. I saw this in a theater. <laughs> I saw it in a theater with my friend in New York, and we it it was when it came out, so tickets were uh, the theater was pretty full, and. We did we so we couldn't get seats together and then so we sat like a couple rows apart and I sat beside this kind of older guy um, and then in the trailers there was some action movie trailer I don't remember what film it was for but there was an extremely loud moment and I saw the guy beside me flinch and jump and go sweet Jesus <laughs> but yeah I thought Dunkirk was again I just love sitting there and absorbing everything mm-hmm. and the beautiful shots. And I thought Tom Hardy was great in it. I really loved his character, even though he didn't really do, quote-unquote, do much. But I, I think Tom Hardy's in a good bit of my uh, of my top films. I like him. 
Yeah. God bless Tom Hardy. God save Tom Hardy. <laughs> what do you think about Dunkirk, Michael? I love Dunkirk. Uh, I mean, I, I, I think I've only seen it uh, in theaters the, the, the one time. Uh-huh. It was one that I walked out of. It was like, I really appreciated this. Mm-hmm. I might be happy never watching it again. <laughs> yes. I watched it. I felt the same way about 1917. Yeah. That makes sense. I watched it again with my wife's family. And uh, my wife doesn't have a fear of water, but she's always like, it. she's not like afraid, afraid of drowning. But in terms of like, if one thought about how one was to die, that was the way she would least like to go. <laughs> and so, so the moment... The moment when the Royal Air Force pilot is in his cockpit and the water starts coming in, she was clenching her seat pretty hard on that, yeah, and I, I didn't stressed. blame her. That was that's a very stress, stressful part. Uh, well, that's not your last Nolan though, so so we'll we'll see him again. We will see him again. All right, your number ten is also on my list. It's correct. Uh, How much overlap do we have? So let's see. One, two. Three, four, five. Wow. Yeah, we have five of the same movies. Interesting. But not at all in the same place. <laughs> <laughs> so your, your number 10 is actually my number six, and that's Ari Aster's Hereditary. Hereditary. What was that, 2018? Yes. Nice job. My second Tony Collette film. I had never seen this before. I saw Midsummer first with Michael. Because Michael just likes to show Midsummer as a test of his friendship to his <laughs> friends. <laughs> we yeah. came out stronger for it. I'm sure that there'll be a, some episode in the future where I just sit down and talk about Midsummer for you forever. Should. It'll be an extended edition. Yeah, it'll episode. be like four hours long. Yeah. In honor of the assembly cut that, <laughs> that is never going to be put together or released to right. the public. So, Hereditary. Hereditary my second. For us, we watched. Together, but not together. We, yes. were, we watched at the same time, just in separate places. Because that was that during the pandemic. Um, I don't. Or were you just sick? No, I wasn't sick. I think I was just home, and I, I think I just texted you. I was like, "Hey, I'm gonna watch Hereditary tonight." And I said, "I'll watch it too." <laughs> yeah. Uh, funny, funny part, funny story about that. It was just me at home with my dog, and during the film, um, she was barking. A lot. I need to go outside. So I was like, okay, I'll take you outside. And so I texted Michael. I texted you and said, pause it. I'm taking you outside. And spoiler alert, skip ahead 45 seconds. Michael sent me an image of his computer when he was watching it. And it was the sister's head being eaten by ants <laughs> at that at that exact moment. I've not seen very many horror films. I do like psychological thriller stuff. I'm ex- I want to see more horror films. That film, I remember the moment when, another spoiler alert, when Tony Collette is up in the corner of the room. Mm-hmm. I just remember feeling the visceral tension and then seeing her in the corner of the room and just like smiling and trembling and just feeling like, it was creepy and disturbing in the best way possible and it felt extremely well earned that moment yeah absolutely the first time that i watched it in theaters uh i didn't immediately see her 
And, like, <laughs> it took me a second. And then I heard other people, like, they, they just had some interesting reactions. I was like, what, what just happened? And then I saw her and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, and so the second time that I saw it in theaters, I waited for that moment. And it's the same sort of thing. It was just like a little ripple effect wow. going through the theater. That would be fun. It was wild. That would be fun. Is that the moment that everybody talks about? Because I know some some people talk about, when they talk about that movie, they try not to spoil it, but then they like talk about the one moment. I wonder what moment that is. Is it that moment or do you think it's when the sister's head gets knocked off? I think most people, yeah, they, they talk about the wreck mm. but I mean there's a <laughs> this is not a spoiler free discussion but when Gabriel Byrne's character dies is that the dad yeah <laughs> that 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 was a moment the em- for me. emulation yeah the because that came out of nowhere yeah but at the same time it also made perfect sense because uh-huh. like you got payment this trickster god and Tony Collette thinks that she's figured out the rules uh, and she's like I'm gonna end this I've got to be responsible and then she ends up Emulating her husband. Ugh. Great movie. I'm impressed that that one ended up on your top 20 list. Me too. It must have, must have been impactful. I think it was. Number nine. is I'm actually surprised this one is as low as it is on my list. But number nine is the 1982 Ridley Scott Blade Runner. Bum, 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 bum. My dad had all, has always talked about Blade Runner, how much he loves it, how much he loves Vangelis, Vangelis, however one might pronounce that name, how much he loves the, the score, and seeing all the buildings and everything. And I had never seen it. I tried to watch it one time when I was a kid on a road trip mm. in a car DVD player, and that is the absolute worst way to watch that film. Probably. Especially for your first time. Yeah. I fell asleep and had not seen it again until that was our June feature in the Jackson Film Club. And we watched that at Cinemark. I was so thankful to be in that moment. Because it was something that I probably would never, like that kind of opportunity to see it on the big screen doesn't come around too often. Especially in Jackson. It might happen more here in Atlanta, but... We made that happen, so that was very fun. Yeah, and it wouldn't have happened without Jackson Film Club. It would not have happened without us and Mary. Was that, did we sell out that night? We did not, no. Mm. That was June 10th, 2021, Mm -hmm. which is an important date in the sequel, Blade Runner 2049. So I was kind of living out my own little fantasy (laughs) where I wanted to watch both Blade Runners on that date, just to say that I could, or that I did. I have not seen 2049 yet, and I want to. It is on my watch list. Yeah, I've got so many movies for you, man. <laughs> you do. Uh, my my film um, vocabulary is very small. That's okay. I love you. It's okay. I've got a lot of... I think of it as a great thing, because that means I've got so many more great films to watch. Yeah, and discover and experience and share. It's true. Um, I'll take a I'll take a brief moment and pause and talk about my dog's favorite stuff. My dog likes the TV show The Morning Show. I don't know if any of you have seen it on Apple TV Plus. She really likes the intro because there's a bunch of brightly colored circles that bounce around the TV. So anytime we would watch the first season, she would stare 
in, <laughs> in, in raptured effect at the television. And you could see her following the little circle that, that bounces around. I didn't know that dogs, uh, I don't know <coughs> if this is like one of those things that you hear as a kid and you just believe. It's like I, I was told that dogs couldn't see the television, like they couldn't perceive it. I don't I think they perceive it differently because I know they perceive colors differently. Yeah. Back to the main event. Number eight, Christopher Nolan's 2008 film, The Dark Knight. Number two um, in, the, in the trilogy. I remember. Rip Heath. Rip Heath. Uh, yeah, that's just a great film. There, it's like a novel of a movie. There's just so many like different. Eh, maybe I'm thinking of Batman Begins. There's like a lot of different storylines that are happening at the same time that I really appreciate. That's, I think you could say the same thing about The Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. I think The Dark Knight Rises also does that, but it executes it a little less well mm. than what happens in The Dark Knight. Because the whole, The Dark Knight, the whole time, uh, you're engaged. And, yeah. And you're, you're there. Uh, there are some moments in The Dark Knight Rises I remember just like, this is kind of boring. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's a great film. Lucy. Hey, to your bone. Last night, during last night's screening of The Tragedy of Macbeth, there was a moment when Macbeth is beginning to go insane, and Denzel Washington does a little bit of the lip. Mm-hmm. Kind of like bites on the inside of his lips a little bit, and kind of licks his lips a little bit in a way that's eerily similar to when Heath Ledger does that as the Joker. So that was great. That was my first film back during the pandemic in a theater because Cinemark had been um, re-showing, re-screening a bunch of previous movies because, you know, they got to get that money. Don't blame them. I think that was the first time I had seen that film in theaters because I don't know that I saw it in theaters when it was originally released. So that was a great experience overall. And my wife hadn't seen it at that point either. So we watched Batman Begins together a couple months before. And then we were able to see Dark Knight in theaters. That's awesome. Yeah. It's probably the best one to, to see in theaters. Oh, yeah. 100%. All right. Number seven. Number seven. The 2016 film Rogue One, A Star Wars Story. <sighs> so I think oh, we were talking about this last night. I think for both of us, this is uh, of the, the Star Wars story movies. This is the best. It tops that list. Definitely for me of the, of the, you know, the third generation, yeah. a, a thousand percent B- above and beyond most of the other ones. I did not have expectations. Well, I expected to like it cause I love Star Wars. I had no expectations beyond that. And I went into the theater and was like, I'm just going to enjoy a Star Wars film. And boy, did I enjoy a Star Wars film. It was beautiful. Like, visually, it was stunning. The Scarif, is that the planet? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. That was amazing. When the stormtroopers were stepping in the water. God. <sighs> I love you, Rogue One. <laughs> what do you want to say about Rogue One, Mike? I don't have too much to say. It's been a long time since I've seen it. So it, it lives in my memory in a very, uh, there's just a happy time. So, uh, I mean, I, I've liked both Rogue One and Solo. Uh, mm-hmm. I think those are the only two 
Yep. Like stories that aren't the Skywalker saga. Uh-huh. Is it... Who's the, the lead? Gareth Edwards? No, the girl. Daisy Ridley? Felicity Jones. Felicity Jones. Daisy Ridley is in the Skywalker. Skywalker. That's movie. right. That's right. Duh. Oopsie. Yeah, Felicity Jones. I think that might have been the first film of hers I'd seen. Next? Yeah. Number six. Number six. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. This is my favorite Spider-Man movie. Oh, man. Uh, it is so... I've only seen it the one time when I saw it in theaters. And when I saw it in theaters, I was jaw-dropped the whole time. For every reason. Um, yeah, it was such a wonderful film. I've only... I need to see it again. Sometimes I see clips of it on Instagram. And I just remember how great of a film that was. And it makes me happy. I think the first time I saw it was with... Uh, it was at David Lewis's house. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And he... he'd had insisted that I come over and watch it. <laughs> and I think there was a group of people. It was, yeah, it's a great movie. The animation style is, yeah. is just so well done. The That shot when it's Miles Morales, uh, he's upside down, upside down yeah. in the city. Oh! I got chills. Yes, I saw that shot on Instagram recently and got chills. <laughs> oh, man. I'm a sucker for visually very pretty films. So a lot of times I think a film is great and it's actually not that great. It's just really pretty. But that one, I am glad to say that it is pretty and amazing. All right. Number five. Number five. Star Wars, episode four, A New Hope. 1971, excuse me, 77, the year the world changed. The year the world changed. Well, George Lucas. I mean, there's, there's nothing more that needs to be said. Everybody... I mean, not everybody, but a lot of people love Star Wars for a lot of reasons. I also love Star Wars for a lot of reasons. I watched this when I was a kid at a friend's house on well, on a VCR, I think. And I think he told me that the Death Star was going to blow up. So the whole time I'm like, Zach, when are they going to blow up the Death Star? <laughs> watched it. Loved it. I love Star Wars. Star Wars. So you've got a lot of space stuff. I do have a lot of space five. stuff. Yeah, I, I really like space stuff. <laughs> <laughs> me too. So tell me about your number four. Number four, the 1968 epic 2001 A Space Odyssey. The first time <sighs> that I saw this movie, my uh, my letterboxed review was, we definitely faked the moon landing, and it was directed by Stanley Kubrick. <sighs> oh, man. I had never seen this. I think we talked about this earlier, but... The opportunity came up to see it on 70 millimeter at the plaza and I took it and it was wonderful. It was a wonderful experience. Great film, wonderful experience. Again, very thankful to have that moment. It's just, it's one of those movies that you have to experience. Yeah. Especially on a big screen. With a great sound system. With a great sound system. So that's another um, moment of Christopher Nolan invading himself into my top 20 the particular cut of what we watched or restoration of it was overseen by Mr. Nolan. Yeah, he, he worked with uh, Warner Brothers, mm-hmm. uh, putting, putting that out for the 50th anniversary. So it's crazy. That movie's been around for 50 years. 54 now. And it still looks so good. Oh, man. Yeah, it looks better than many other films. I, I really like that movie. Number three, 
Star Wars Episode Six: Return of the Jedi. Okay, I I'm a little surprised to see this one, especially so high up on your list. Really? And, and above number or Episode Four. Really? Yeah. I will always rewatch them. I'll gladly rewatch them. But my wife had not seen. I don't know that she had seen any of the Star Warses when we were dating or anything. So sometimes we started kind of rewatching them a little bit. We watched episode six and after we finished it, I was, I was surprised at how good I didn't remember it being like, I had no idea that it was as good as it was. And then I thought about it for like weeks later that I just loved it as a film. Hmm. It is. I think it's solid. I think that, uh, one of the things that I, I've noticed, or I don't remember when it was that I last watched it, but one of the things that I picked up was how C-3PO's character had changed. Like, from from that movie compared to episode four, it's like he had just become more of a caricature. Huh, interesting. I've seen some people complain about that kind of shift. Interesting. And they, uh, they say that he just gets more gay. Oh. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that's funny. Number three. Loved it. I love being transported by films. Mm-hmm. I find find that I just immerse myself in them. Star Wars is something that I can easily immerse myself in. I love it. Yeah. Number two. What is your number two? My number two pick I've seen twice, both times with Mr. Michael Lamb. It is the 2007 film by the Coen brothers, No Country for Old Men. When was the first time we watched that? At your house, at the Republic in Starkville. You were there for that? Yes, I was there for that. We watched this at Michael's house. He either redboxed it or Netflix DVD'd it and was like, hey, guys, come watch this movie. And we, we watched we, it. We would regularly have movie nights That's that we right. planned together. And, and people would bake cake as well. Uh, it was cake night. It was cake night. And I shared this movie with everybody, and it, it, it was something that I'd watched in high school. I've talked about it because it's on my top 20 list, and I think I probably told some of the, a little bit of the story then. But there's uh, one of my roommates at the end of it. <laughs> he His only comment was, well, that was some hipster bullshit. <laughs> it made me so mad. Yeah, yeah I, I could watch Michael get pretty mad at that. <laughs> I didn't know how I felt about it after it ended it's a thinker yeah and that was a that was a movie that is best served on a big screen we watched Mm -hmm. it on a in a living room screen and i was kind of diagonally away from it kind of far and it's also got to pay attention to the dialogue and for whatever reason i couldn't that night but jackson film club did a screening of it at malco yeah it was the first time that we had ever done that in a theater Really? I thought, I guess it was. Yeah, it was April 2021? Yes. Yeah. Oh, man. So good. That was such a wonderful experience. It's one of those movies where the final shot is so impactful. Yeah. And then I woke up. Um, Fanfare. (laughs) What is your number one pick? Dun, 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 dun. My number one pick, and I knew it was going to be in my top five when I was walking out of the theater doors, was Denis V. I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name correctly because I will butcher it. Villeneuve. Yes. The 2001 film, 
Dune. 2020. One. Yes, 2021. <laughs> Excuse me. Sorry. My number one pick is Dune. I knew the teensiest grains of sand about the story and I wanted to go in as cold as I could I succeeded at that and I was just mm, swept carried blown away I love space movies I love pretty movies I love uh, everything about the way that movie chooses to be and Hans Zimmer and Hans Zimmer yes Hans Zimmer is probably the the biggest connecting thread on my top 20 yeah probably he's kind of moved on from Nolan and yeah. paired himself with uh, Villeneuve. And I absolutely support both of those. I think there's something to like collaborating with different excellent people. Yes. They, they bring out, they just bring out creativity. Yeah. Ah, oh, man. When I, when I got, when I left the theater and got in my car, the only reaction I sent to Michael was a voice recording of me singing the chant. I can't do it. <laughs> I still can't do it. Ah, man. My path leads into the desert. I, so I still haven't read the book, and I still don't know what happens in the second part. So the book is on my list to read, and maybe I'll read it. But I am very happy it exists in the world. I thought it was great, like, when... The Herald of the Change comes to Daddy Atreides and he's walking out and everyone else is walking behind him. I I was watching that and I was like, man, this could have been so goofy. Mm -hmm. It could have been so weird, but it is so cool. It is so cool. Yeah. I remember uh, specifically the costumes. The costumes were amazing. Whenever they get to arrakis mm-hmm. and they come out and the the they've got this like bagpiper yes the uh, bagpiper <laughs> like no other no other mainstream movie that takes itself seriously could do something like this and not be laughed at but this is so freaking awesome yeah oh man it's like that guy he is precious cargo yes. you must protect him at all costs it's got a bag of fire in there I love it. The waiting on part two. Hopefully, they they make uh, Dune Messiah as well. Ooh, that'd be cool. Yeah, uh, that's what Villeneuve has has said is his vision is to make three films. And Interesting, because that's all uh, that should I think encompass the story of Paul Atreides. Mm. And Timothy Chalamet is not getting any younger. That's right. There was one point <laughs> when I was talking with some folks about Dune. And one guy said, he's like, yeah, it reminded me a lot of, uh, of the original Star Wars. I got a lot of Star Wars vibes. <laughs> yeah. Put my head <laughs> in my hand. I was like, I'm not going to say anything. That's funny. <laughs> I wonder what he would think about 2001. <laughs> <laughs> I get a lot of interstellar vibes. <laughs> uh, uh, well, Matthew, I think you have got a great top 20. Thank you. I stand by my top 20, 100%. Uh, my revised top 20. Yeah. It's a, well, thank you for uh, coming and talking to Jackson Film Club. Let me clarify. Michael, thank you for coming to Atlanta and bringing your microphone so we could have Jackson Film Club Atlanta. 
version. Atlanta Film Club? We're not doing that. We're not doing that. Long live the film club. Uh, actually, yeah. Do you have anything to say to all the folks in Jackson that you miss? Any shout outs? Um, I will shout out David Lewis because he and Michael, I think David did it a little bit, a little bit before Michael because I knew him before I knew Michael. He made me watch a lot of movies. So I'm thankful for that. Didn't make. He suggested. And I was like, sure. And I'm thankful for that. Um, yeah, he's got a ridiculous Blu-ray collection. He does. A closet full. Um, shout out to Mary Heath, the treasurer and third founding member of the Jackson Film Club. Lucy wants to shout out. <laughs> Shh. Mary joined a little bit after Michael and I started the beginning stages of everything. But she was invaluable in getting everything set up. And getting the little baby's legs out underneath it. I miss y'all. I miss the Jackson Club. I miss you too, man. Thank you. Well, you're going to sign off now. Affirmative, Dave. Oh. <laughs>